So when I was 19, in my second year of Inuit studies down in Ottawa, um, I started recording pop songs into uh, my language. Uh, I It was for an Inuit class and to me it was really important for the youth to see that um, someone, a musical will you know, go out in my way to make these songs in my language so babies and elders can understand because a lot of babies don't speak English or elders. So uh, growing up, my bandmate always instilled in me that my elders have to understand what I'm saying. And he instilled in me that I can translate any song. You're listening to musician Kelly Fraser, who hails from Canada's Arctic. My wife, who's also called Kelly, and I were lucky enough to catch Kelly Fraser over the phone while she was attending the We Belong conference in Vancouver, British Columbia. Because she was away from home at conference, there was no Skype or landline available, so the interview took place over a cell phone outside, so I do apologize for the sound quality in some parts. Kelly had such limited time that she launched right into a description of who she is. So without further ado, let's join her right there. So Kelly, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for welcoming me. I'm pleased to be on your show. One thing that's, I guess, most striking about you is that you are a musician from way up north. Can you tell me exactly what town you come from? Okay, so my name is Kelly Fraser. I'm a singer from Senekeloak, Nunavut. I sing in my language. I speak Inuktitut from where I'm from. Um, Senekeloak is on the Belch Islands in the Hudson Bay. It's right near northern Quebec. It's, our island is almost smack in the middle of the Hudson Bay. Uh, we're part of Nunavut, but we're right near northern Quebec, which almost makes no sense, but my people voted um, back in the back when they were negotiating the land case. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, and from Senikiluk, Nunavut, it's sunny all year, so we don't we don't really have that dark for the winter, like no sun. But I am from the cold. It's there's no trees. There's polar bears and belugas and seals, and we eat them all. Just to, just to clarify for a lot of my audience, some of them might be thinking, oh, she lives way up north, so she must be an Eskimo, but that word is not really used to describe you guys. Yes. In fact, it's derogatory. I'm an Inuk woman, and I come from a land of Inuit. So Inuk is the name of the person. One person. Right. Yeah. Um, actually, Inuk means human. Mm-hmm. So even though I say, yes, I'm Inuk, um, in my language, I'm actually just saying I'm human, <laughs> which is like a lot of the other indigenous languages. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. So we're all, I mean, everybody there is Inuk then? Uh, yes. I mean, not everyone is Inuit, or, but yes, everyone is a, they're Inuk, they're alive. So, Inuyui. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what brought you into music. Um, like, when did you get started uh, singing and, and making music? So when I was 11, I watched this movie called Freaky Friday, and there's uh, an actress, Lindsay Lohan, playing the electric guitar. And to me, um, I was exposed to a lot of different music, so I thought that was um, very different and very cool. And I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And so um, I went home that night, and I told my parents, I want a guitar. And they both had jobs where I'm from. So they they didn't want to just give it to me. They wanted me to work for it. So they said, well, if you go to guitar lessons and you go to guitar class, well, we'll look into buying you a guitar. And if you get really good, like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So I went to guitar lessons every Wednesday. And my a science teacher, would, a high school science teacher used to teach it. And yeah, that's where I learned how to sing folk songs and Johnny Cash and Michael wrote the boat and uh, he's got the whole world in his hands, <laughs> like all kinds of folk songs. I was always artistic as a child. I was always making poems or singing really loudly, annoying my family. And so when I got guitar lessons, I got good and they got me a guitar. I got even better. I got an electric guitar, but unfortunately, one of my really close friends uh, got accidentally shot. Wow. So, um, when I was 14, 13, somewhere there, and I couldn't play anymore because uh, it really meant, I mean, he really meant something to me. Like, he taught me, he was my role model, he had graduated from high school, he was looking to going to the military, and so um, I quit for a while. I didn't touch it, and I was working at the store when I was 15 at the local grocery store, the Northern, um, and a man came up to me, and he was like, hey, do you have a guitar? I was like, yeah, I do. And he, I was like, it's just collecting dust, and he was like, well, I have a band, and we kind of need a guitar, and I was like, well, I could lend you it, and he was like, well, are you interested in being a bass player? And to me, um, guitar was something that really meant something to me with my friend who passed away. His name was Walter. Um, I, uh, To me, playing bass was different than playing guitar. So I said, yeah, I'll be your bass player. I wouldn't learn how to play. So he said, come over. And so that's when my band started. We were Killy Fears in the Easy Four. And... My mother used to have a radio station when I was, like, way younger, like, uh, probably nine till I was about 15, and she had, she would play these old music. Wow. And that's essentially the kind of music we made, like this old rock and roll type folk music, which is kind of the, it's kind of our, as Inuit, we kind of have that as our kind of main genre. Um, which mixes square dancing and 
instrument. So I came from that. first album is Isuma, that was with my band. Um, I wrote Isuma, the song, when I was 15 with my bandmate George. So we started off with me, George, and a guy named Charlie, who is a year older and uh, two years older than me. There was a guy named Jamie, and he didn't continue on, but Charlie became our drummer. And yeah, we, we traveled around a lot after I was 19, after those videos came out. Suddenly a lot of people knew me, uh, a lot of inmates wanted me to come to their town. Uh, I started putting out more and more music and I'm on my way to recording. I'm in the middle of recording my second album. Um, this one is more about, I mean the first album was Isuma, I think it, a lot of it had to do with my culture. Mm -hmm. A lot of it had to just living in a small town. Like Isuma, it means the song Isuma That used to be the title. Uh, that was going to be my title of the album, but I realized not everyone can say Isuma <laughs> Not even my Inuit friends can say it because. They um they have different dialects. Right. So I had to shorten it to Isuma. And Isuma was so I'm not gonna think of you anymore. And in that song I say, I'm not gonna think of you anymore. I'm just gonna forget you. But then I know I will see you again. I really like that song. It's about living in a small town. You you date someone and you're going to see them again at the store, at the school, somewhere. So that was my first album with talking about uh, living off the land, talking about um, how proud I am, how thankful I am, uh, talking about love, love songs. It's one of my favorites called Baby Ga. It's a slow song. Baby Ga. Now, in my new album, I'm working on songs that that really hit, uh, hit hard with reality. I feel like my first album was me, like, establishing I'm a singer. I love to make music. 
I love to sing in my language. I love my culture. It's all about pride. And now it's about uh, cultural pride. It's about uh, decolonizing. And it's, uh, I feel like it's going to be controversial a little bit because there's a song called Winnipeg on it. And I'm excited to get that out because uh, in that song, I'm saying uh, I lived in Winnipeg for a couple months and I experienced some racism that I uh, wasn't used to because I'm from a small town where a lot of us are Inuit and down in Ottawa, I was surrounded by mostly just Inuit. And so I was hit with a hard reality uh, a couple of years ago with racism. And so I, I said, well, I can't, put, I can't act like this doesn't affect me and my people. And so I decided I'm going to write a song saying, you know, Winnipeg, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm, I'm a drunkard or I'm sorry. I'm homeless. And, and in the end, it says, mostly I'm sorry that you believe that. Right. I'm sorry that you think that's normal. Like, that's, it shouldn't be. I, I really am hitting the, our biggest issues, which are suicide, um, systematic uh, racism, because uh, up north, it's more expensive, but why should we have poor health care or uh, highly expensive food so anyway, it's it's kind of political, and but it's also empowering. Like I'm saying, you know, I'm proud of who I am. No one can tell me I can't. There's a song where I say, uh, I started at a young age being told I can't make the stage. Um, so I, even though there's odds against me, like I'll still succeed. And essentially, I want to tell the young people because a lot of young people feel hopeless. Hi, Kelly. It's Kelly. <laughs> Hello, Kelly. Hi. How, how are you? Good, good. Um, yeah, when you were talking about uh, advocacy and, and racism and stereotypes, um, I just saw Angry Unuk this weekend, um, and I saw you in it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yes, I was protesting at, uh, at the anti-feeling protest. Right, and I thought I thought that um, was great. Was, yeah, so I want yeah, to know if if you yeah. want to talk a bit about uh, you know your thoughts about the lack of representation, I guess, uh, in politics of, for Inuit. Of Inuit, yeah. Um, well, that's a broad. That's a. Uh, I think we want to make it less broad. You want to okay. talk about uh, the seal skin industry where I'm from. Well, there's that, and I, I think I think in general, I think there's probably a lack of recognition uh, or a lack of, of our care. Rights yeah, of, for sure. The thing is, no one took our stealing rights away. The thing was, um, Europe and and America banned steel skin for the sake of uh, celebrities saying, "Oh, they're they're so cute," you know. Mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't kill them. Look at how they kill them. And I'm like. They they don't like that the Newfoundlanders would club the seals, mm -hmm. but essentially that's what they do uh, in the in in the cow industry, like in the beef industry. They right. use the same method. They use a a piece of nail, uh, and then they quickly kill the cow 
are putting it in a tent. So, like, to us, we wonder why they do that when, um, when there's, there's cruelty of animals everywhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> Even in their own cities. And so, for, for us, uh, for me to see Alicia make a, a film, for me to be a part of the protest, I felt like I was filling my duty as a you know, person, mm-hmm. as someone who's fighting for my rights. Uh, so seal skin pelts went down in the 80s when the America and Europe banned it. So for my family, that meant no more food on the table, no more machines, no more hunting. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we got to go on welfare now, and there's, there's not a lot of jobs. So essentially, it broke our men down. Right. And that's why I feel like um, not only did they go through residential school, forced a relocation, uh, slaughter of sled dogs, they had to overcome this to well, where will we get money now? You know, they had to over, and we still haven't, like, we still suffer with a low economy, uh, thanks to, you know, banning of steel skin for the sake of them looking cute instead yeah. of, instead of looking at, uh, it's an economy with people who rely on it to feed their family. Like, my, my mom said, like, a lot of people had the things that they needed. A lot of people were skinning seal skin and men were hunting. And that, that was just the way life was. And it was a little bit more modern. And now, now with the seal skin pulp, that costs next to nothing. It really, the hunters still do it, but it's, it's a lot of work and it's a, I interviewed a hunter actually, and he's on social assistance. And I interviewed him once for an essay on food insecurity. And yeah, he says when he sells too many, they cut off his funding. They wow. cut off his welfare. Right. Yeah, it's it's really hard. It's really hard living up north, and that's what I'm also saying in my song. There's one song. I feel like that is very controversial. Uh, it's it's about uh, I come from a place of drugs and alcohol, um, and I'm made out of steel and gold, diamonds and mold. When I say that, I mean where I'm from, people want to mine it. People want industry up there now, yeah. Um, especially the government, and that's why I'm always fighting for my rights. See? Singing about you know telling people to vote no for the land referendum to vote whether or not we want to sell municipal land. Yeah, there's a major amount of of hypocrisy if you look at uh, like you were saying the the difference here. You know, we How have is the, it any different from killing some cows? Right, exactly. Like we're, we're killing pigs and cows, and it's companies. polluting the earth. It's polluting the earth, and whereas the seal industry is not polluting. Uh, the environment. No, and there's actually been a study where there's too many seals and they're killing too many fish. Yeah. And then now what's going to happen? We're not going to have enough fish to eat. And then who, those protesters who protest against us hunting seal, which is good for the economy, good for, good for the environment, we do it safely and we do it humane. Like as Inuit, we 
we don't use clubs. Right. We use guns. And we first shot, first, first kill, like mm-hmm. shoot them on the head and they don't feel the pain. Like that's so important to us innate is that we don't let animals suffer. And that's part of what we believe in. That's in our spirituality. That's part of who we are. We respect those around us. Mm-hmm. Animals, humans, the earth. All right. Here we go. I love eating seal. When I when I talk about home, I say yes. I miss the food. That's what I miss the most. Mm-hmm. I, well, I miss my family the most, but <laughs> um, up north where I can freely eat seal and like if it's freshly caught, like nice and warm, I'll get a cup and have a sip of that like fresh blood, and so it feels spiritual. It feels like I'm being who I am. I feel like a lot of Inuits feel like that. And and I understand that people are weirded out that I like to eat food raw. I mean, not necessarily beef and chicken. Like, I like to eat my food raw, like seal, beluga, fish, um, char, caribou, reindeer. Yeah, I'll eat it raw, I'll eat it frozen, I'll eat it cooked. <laughs> That's how we do it. Mm-hmm. And I understand people think it's kind of weird, you know, like seeing these pictures of these little kids that have like blood smeared all over their mouth because they're enjoying eating seal so much. I think it was cute. I thought that was really good that she included that in the in the film because uh, I thought it was super cute. <laughs> and I've yeah. seen little kids as well using ulus and I was uh, I was really impressed. Yeah, we, we teach we teach the young to deal with knives to deal with ulus, make them, um, make the uh, friggin, what are those called? Kek- like a kakivak? It's a harpoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we, like kids make them and we teach them how to use them. There's seven-year-olds that learn how to hunt seal with a gun, you know, with their dad. And it's all done like, it's all done in a safe way, in a educated way and um, the thing is that it instills pride and also it teaches uh, kids responsibility. Um, you know, you, you got to be responsible for the animals you kill. You got to pay homage or you got you to gotta put water in the seal's mouth to make sure the seal is not thirsty in the afterlife. Like, there's so many aspects of our culture in hunting 
that is vital to being proud of who we are. Can, can you just tell us what your projects are right now? And, uh, I mean, what are you working on? And uh, what's, what's next with uh, what you're doing? Yes. So right now, I go to school here in Mount BC. I'm recording right now. Um, I'm driving back and forth to Surrey. My producer's going to come in into this month and we'll start recording. Um, so my album is the most important thing right now, most important project. The second thing is next, uh, in the coming January, February, March, I will be traveling around Nunavut on the weekends to teach motive, uh, to teach people how to make lyrics in their dialect, in their language. I, I get, mostly I get young people. A lot of the time I say all ages. And, and I say parents are welcome. If you have kids under the age of eight, please come with a supervisor. Come with your parent. And I feel like that. So I hold these amazing workshops for three days. And it's full-fledged, everyday, all-day activities. We, me and my producer come in the first day. We have a concert that night. The next day, we um, start the workshop. And we start at like 10 or 11 till like 5. And all we do is uh, talk. Well, first, I talk about how I grew up. I talk about the issues I faced. Um, what motivates me? What, how? And I try to motivate them. And I talk about the hard stuff. I talk about my dad's suicide, and I talk about, you know, growing up with a residential school survivor as a parent. And I say, well, we can be the change. And I always am telling them, go to school, get a job, do anything, do whatever you can. Um, you have so much time. There's not a lot to do, and I say, reach into your culture. Like, let's jump dance. Let's throat sing. You wanna? Do you have a throat song? Record it. We'll put it. We'll put it on the album. Here's. And so, I do a lot of motivational speaking. I write in their dialect uh, a song that they want and how they feel. I occasionally put in some input and some words in, but. Essentially, it's the community song, and I do two songs for the younger generation and for the older generation, the kids and maybe young people and adults. And and so we have a movie night the second night after a full day of recording and teaching, and my producer does the teaching of the um, media, like he producing the music, and. I teach the trying to motivate them, talking about their talents, telling them, you know, just sing, just uh, together. Um, and then at night we have a movie night and we choose an Inuit, Inuit film. And then the next day we do it all, all over again. Uh, instead, at night we have a feast, a talent show with prizes, a concert, uh, and then, and we we show those two songs that the community made in their language. So, essentially, what I do is I'm trying to save the language by making songs with people in their 
in their language. Thanks so, so much for, for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that's about all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and learned more about Kelly Fraser and Inuit culture. I'd really like to thank Kelly for taking time out of her busy schedule to talk to us. Many of the topics she covers are serious ones that are difficult to talk about. In fact, the conference we pulled her from was all about how to better address suicide in Indigenous populations. So that cannot have made it any easier. And I really want to thank her to take time to talk about her musical and activism projects with us. I'll be providing links to her music and all the tracks used with the show notes. Remember, you can listen to previous episodes over at the podcast website, ShareSlicePodcast.com. You can also subscribe and leave a review of the show over at iTunes. So thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time.